everybody, it's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Melzler. This week I got Ed Yannette from Team Yannette. What's up, Ed? Not too much, bud. How's it Thank, going? Yeah, I'm excited to be here. This Th- is awesome. Thanks Thank. for inviting me. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. We were uh, we were just talking a little bit about like the video and audio stuff that you guys are doing, like kind of before we jumped on the show, and how much you guys have expanded that recently, and how you've been getting into it pretty heavy. You know, it's something I've always loved doing. I just it's the kind of the creative side, but with COVID, it really kind of escalated like crazy escalation because of people not wanting to get out, you know? So we had to up our game with the videos and the 360, uh, 360 tours, 360 videos, uh, photography, uh, you know, everything um, that we do because people didn't, weren't comfortable going out to look at houses, but we were still selling houses like crazy. Right. So, um, and what the nice part is, is that, you know, we would get 12, 15 showings and get an offer. Okay. Now we're getting four showings and getting an offer because you're weeding out the 14, 15 or like, Oh, I didn't like the way that looked or I didn't like that with 360 tour. Right. Because they, they literally, it's like you're there. I mean, it's, it's the weirdest thing. You know, I, I just did one an hour ago and it's still, I, I look at the pictures and I'm like, what the hell? How do you do that? <laughs> that is so cool. You know, um, it has the HDR technology, the high resolution. It does, you know, it takes three pictures, stitches it together. It does it all automatically in the camera, you know. Now I have to send it out they, to make it not look, you know, that, what do you call that? Uh, like the globe The effect. bubbly. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I send it out and there's a company that puts it together so it looks square and like oh, right really? the room. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's very cool. But yeah, just stuff like that. And I love doing it. We were talking before. I said that. I like doing a lot of the pictures myself because the photographers, although they're great, they won't move stuff or I'll try to go, like I just literally took did this this morning with a client and I'll say, hey, can you be there with me? Just because I'm going to ask you to move some things and I, I don't like moving people's you know, right, stuff, yeah. you know. So if they're there, that's great because I'll say, hey, yeah, could you move that, you know, that video camera? Can you move this or can you, you know, whatever, you know, um, and then it, it just... I know what it's going to look better in the picture, you know, and a photographer that, you know, most of the photographers that we pay, they're just there just to take the pictures and they're, they're done and they're awesome. They're fantastic. But to kind of push it over the top, I like doing it myself. And, you know, some people say, oh, Ed, you know, it's not time effective and this and that. But, <laughs> it's like, you know, for me, I'd rather sell 45 houses and present them the way I want to present it than, you know, 300 houses you know, with a team of, you know, 20 people, you know, then, and do it myself and, you know, put my fingerprint on it. So I never asked this before. How many guys, how many people are on your team? Um, well, right now it's me and a buyer's agent and her name's Lisa, not to be confused with my Uh. wife, Lisa, (laughs) but she is moving her husband's in the military and they're PCSing to Hawaii of all places. What? Yeah. I, so, and she calls me, she's like, and I have something I have to tell you. What? And I'm like, what's wrong? Lisa, you all right? I'm thinking, you know, you know, something happened. Someone's sick. No, um, I, I have to leave. And I'm like, Oh, well, okay. You know, what's going on? She's like, <laughs> I, I'm PCSing. I'm like, Oh, okay. And she's like to Hawaii. I'm like, are you kidding me? Can I go? Uh, can I PSS, PCS with you? I think it's PCS, yeah. yeah. Permanent change of station. But uh, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I was just like, she's like, what? I'm like, it's not like you're going to that uh, army base that's in the north in Alaska or anything. You're yeah. like going to freaking Hawaii. I mean, come on, you know. So, so anyway, so she's, she's been packing up and getting ready. So I've been kind of, it's really just been me. 
the last, I don't know, four, five, six weeks. Um, now, my wife, Lisa, she's officially an agent and is part of the team, but she runs a staffing company, which is actually right across the street from you, um, Horizon Staffing. She's been doing that for 22, 22 years. Right. Um, and been right there in the same, pretty much the same location since then. So, but she helps. She'll do fam- friends and family uh, referrals that we get that want to work with me or her. That she'll step in and do that. So she probably sold on the buy side. She probably sold five houses last year, which isn't a okay. lot. But she doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't do it. You know. How many do you um, typically do in a year? Um, I think we did forty-two last year. Dang. On the listing side. So. So you're going into forty-two houses with all your camera stuff every year. Uh, yes, yes, and no. I mean, I don't do, I don't do all of them. Like, if I have four in a week, yeah. I just don't have the time. You okay. Know? So, yeah. but uh, I use uh, Kevin, Kevin Schwartz. Is he? Um, that sounds very familiar. What's the name of his? Oh gosh, Kevin, you're gonna kill me. <laughs> Coastal something productions. Oh yes, that's how I know. He's out of Richmond Hill. Yeah. I think so. Help me out here. Uh, See, I'm telling you, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer when it comes to remembering it. But Kevin does an amazing job, and, and there are two. I, I always ask for um, Lacey is the photographer. I always ask for Lacey because Lacey knows I'm a pain in the neck, and I'm like, you know, she knows what I need and what I want, and she takes care. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just like yeah, I said, yeah. she knows that I'm going to be like, Lacey, why didn't you move that big vase? I mean, I remember when we had one shoot that this woman had this like three foot vase on top of the dining room table. And when you took the still picture, it's like, am I trying to sell a vase? I mean, what is this? It's a beautiful vase, but get the heck out of my picture, you know? Um, but see, that's what I'm saying is that if I'm there, I'll, I'll, ma'am, can I move the vase? I know you right. love it, but can we get it off the table? You know, um, because I'm trying to sell a house, right. you know? So anything that distracts from it, um, I really hone in on and i just you know when you get that video file or not video file but the the um the jpeg file and i'm looking through the pictures i'm like oh oh that's my it's painful (laughs) i'm like oh i would have moved that i would have shut that light off i shut the fan off i would have you know but um but you know they they have an allotted time and they just go in and do but um but kevin um, he's top shelf top top shelf so yes i do use them when i get in a jam but if i do if i list one or two houses a week which I usually list at least one a week. Um, uh, I, I'll do it myself. But sometimes, like I said, I'll get in a jam and I'll have four listings that are, you know, like, hey, then I'll call Kevin and he, he comes in. So. Do you work with buyers at all? Like now that your buyer's agent's kind of gone, what's your kind of plan for that going forward? Yeah, it's just, gosh, it's so time consuming. <laughs> um, uh, and see, and I love, listen, here's my biggest thing why I got into real estate is because I love serving people helping them out because back when I was um and we'll kind of back up to tell you how I got into real estate and what really made me fall in love with it when I was I think I was 16 or 17 I was driving in the car with my dad and he bought a condo I'm from Denver Colorado and he bought a condo in Colorado Springs because he worked down there and would commute every day I'm like dad that's you know it's an hour and 15 minutes but he'd get up super early drive drive home every day so he bought a condo down there, and we're driving down there to get him moved in and stuff. And he's explaining to me, I'm like, so, Dad, how'd you buy this condo? You know, this is back in, gosh, I'm, I mean, I told you I'm 55, so I'm 17. I think it was like in 82, 83, when interest rates were 15%. Um, but how much was a house in Colorado Springs? It's like 130 grand. Oh, my you know? God. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy now. So, anyway, so I'm, he's explaining to me. I'm like, so, Dad, we, you had $130,000 cash? He's like, no, no, no. You go to the bank, and he's explaining this to me. And my little brain at 17, I was like, wait a minute. You put 10% down, they're going to give you. And, and I'm like, when you sell it, 
you get to keep all the money? He's like, yeah. After you pay whatever's left on the mortgage, you get to keep the difference. I'm like, wait a minute. You put thirteen grand down on a $130,000 house, sell it for one sixty, and you get to keep the thirty. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I'm like, this is a great deal. Uh, how do you get into this? You know, because of the leverage. You know, right. um, I've done I've done videos with. Uh, there was a interview with Warren Buffett on CNBC, where he said that a 30 year mortgage is the greatest instrument that any any normal individual can get. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, you know, um, in that video on CNBC, he was talking about his. Um, Beach House? Did you ever see that? Mm, I feel I definitely have heard I him got, talk about I the 30-year mortgage. I'm I got to think. send it to you because it's a great story. He talks about he bought a beach house in San Diego, I think, in, in like 73. And he paid $120,000 for it. And they said, well, you know, the lady interviewing him says, well, why, on CNBC, says, why didn't you pay cash for it? And he's like, well, because I got a 30-year mortgage. It's the greatest instrument known to mankind. Um, and I took the difference and invested in the – Berkshire Hathaway stock. So they had him on the sequence talking about the, because the, he, he, he bought a $120,000 beach house, was selling it for $15 million. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so much money and blah, 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 you know, 120 to, so he's the guru of real estate too. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but wait a minute. I took 90 grand and put it into Berkshire Hathaway, which today is worth $700 million. Oh my. Let that roll around in your noggin That's for a minute. Crazy. So, I'm not saying don't ever buy a house and invest in, in stocks. I'm saying do both. Yeah. You know, I mean, and why would you use your own money? Like if you can get free money from, or it's not free, right? Yeah, but especially yeah. right now when interest rates are so low. 2.7%, son, that's free. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, 2.8%, you know, uh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know? um, because, yeah, if if you had a half a million dollars and came to me and said, hey, I want to buy a half a million dollar house, I have cash, I'd be Great, put that in your pocket, and let's put a hundred grand down, and go invest four, you know, four hundred in, in stocks, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. not, I used to be a stockbroker, but I'm not anymore. But you know, stocks have averaged, you know, nine, ten, eleven percent over the last thirty years. So do that and buy the house, because my biggest thing why every single person needs on a house, you got to have a roof over your head. Yeah, I, I don't care what you're doing, where you are, if you know, unless you're living in a box or under a bridge. You need a roof over your head. And either I'm paying the rent, which is paying my landlord's mortgage, which is making him a millionaire, or I'm paying my mortgage, and at least um, it's a forced savings account. You know, so yeah. um, I, I've never had, since I've been a real estate agent over the long term, now there are people who will listen to this and say, well, in 2010, I'm like, yeah, I get that. You know, um, I think everybody crapped on themselves in 2009, 10, but when you were, if you stayed in the house through today, you're making money. Oh yeah. Because not only has it appreciated since 2007, eight, nine, ten, but you've also paid it down for 12 years. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's a double whammy. If it goes up one or 2% a year, well, that's one or 2% is not a lot, but remember it's on the whole value of the house. And then you've diligently paid your mortgage, paid it down. Well, there you go. You know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Um, because like I said, what do you want to do? Live in my car? Right. You know? Yeah. So, but, um, anyway. and I mean, I've heard this saying like a million times, but like the single greatest contributor to people's net worth is their mortgage in most people's, in most cases. Right. I mean, that's most people's biggest purchase ever. But my biggest, if you go on my Instagram or anything and just look back three, four five, cause I, I repeat myself over and over and over again. 
homeowners have 40, anywhere from 40 to 44 times the wealth of renters. That's a drop the mic. What else yeah. do you want me to tell you? I mean, you can say demographics, age, this and that, 44 times the wealth. What do you want to do? You know? So that's why I really push, you know, a 24, 25, 26-year-old. Now, I got to, you know, the, the assumption, which you know what that does. Um, you got to stay there 5, 10, 15 years. Right. Okay? This isn't a, you know, these house flippers, that's great, but that's where the risk comes in. If you're gonna, if you're like, listen, I, I'm setting roots down here in in Savannah. I'm staying here for ten years, fifteen years, absolute no brainer, you know. Especially when I don't know if you've looked at rents lately, but but you got rents out in Pooler for a three bedroom, two bath. They're eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah, they're insane right now. You know, I'm cons- I, it's actually surprising how high the rents of stayed in Pooler, considering how many new units are being built there all the time. And they're gorgeous. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you drive out. I feel like I, I drove into one the other day to get, to look at something for a client, and um, I thought I was going to a country club. I'm like, <laughs> where am I? Am I in Cabo San Lucas? I mean, they had fountains and, and pools. They had like a, a thing where the water shot out of the ground for the kids. And I'm like, that's all cool, but 1800 bucks a month will buy you a $300,000 house. Yeah. All in. I think yeah. even more, you know, of, of a house. Uh, so I think that's the... Um, that's the that's the thing you have to look at. But like I said, if you're here for two years, you know, three years, you don't know where you're gonna go. You know, I, I want to. My goal is to move to Dallas or wherever. Then don't buy a house. Don't rent. It's easy. You know, no no, no stress. You know. Or I tell a lot of my older clients. You know, they're in their 80s. It's like go rent a beautiful place. Why mess with upkeep? You know, mowing the lawn, putting pine straw out. You know, um, you're 80 years old. Sell your sell your place. Uh, that's what I help a lot of people do. You know, so um, I I love to help the older folks to really be their advocate and you know fight for them to make them as much money as possible because, you know, that's usually they they're at the other side of this. Right. You know what I mean? They they bought the house 40 years ago, busted their tails, saved the money, paid it off, and then now they're cash out on their equity, cashing out. Yeah. So now, gosh, that's my I'll tell you that that turns me on more than anything what I do when I sell a house and make a ton of money for you know an 80 75 85 year old person that I just that really that that makes me very proud very happy is that so that trend's pretty common in people that are elderly I guess I never really I don't really know so how many people so is that majority of your clients then would you say no um I Josh I'll be honest with you I I just you know kind of a deeper thing i i gravitate toward the underdog okay you know and that's why i love the first time home buyer i mean there's nothing like you know a a, a single mom who's buying a house even if it's a hundred and fifty thousand dollar house and you hand her the keys and she's crying this happened to me because she's got a new stove i've never had a new stove and my son's never had his own bedroom you know that's freaking cool yeah I mean, come on you know um or the, the the older gentleman whose wife passed away a couple of years ago and is it's overwhelming. He's been in the house for 40 years. Now, he may have a half million dollars in equity in it, you know, and whether he's financially set or not financially set, it's still what a trauma. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, as real estate agents, you know, you can I've Googled it before. The top 
10 traumas in life, I deal with seven of them or five of them every day. You know, th- think about it. Moving, changing jobs, death of a spouse, death of a child. You, you know, um, these are, you know, selling a house is, is, is a traumatic thing. So now you've got somebody who's got a, you know, a spouse who's passed away, you know, who's older, who, where do I start? What do I do? Do I trust this agent? Do I, do, I mean, that's, that's my wheelhouse. That's the thing I really enjoy, you know. How'd you get into that? Like, how'd you find that niche? Just that's my, Just. that's, that's who I am. I mean, <laughs> you know, like I'm the guy who always roots for the underdog. I'll, yeah. I'll watch Facing the Giants a thousand times and just be crying when the, you, have you seen Facing the Giants? Oh yeah. You know, when the, when the, when the crippled dad's standing in the end zone, going, don't touch me, I'm, I'm, I'm standing for my son. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart, I mean, seriously, my eyes are watering around. I'm thinking about that. That's just, I'm just built weird. I just don't know why, but, uh, but that's, that's me. I mean, yes, my, my boys will laugh at me. They're like, dad, are you crying during this movie? I'm like, no, this is just awesome. You know? um, I'm not uh, crying. You're crying. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why you're not. There's something wrong with you, you know? Uh, no, you know what I mean? That's, and that to me is, that's part of who I am. And I just, I, I enjoy doing that, you know, um, that I get more satisfaction out of that, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, is that, is that a niche? I don't know. I mean, I, it's probably 20% of my clients. I, I don't know if that's a lot or not, but, um, but I'm just telling you what I enjoy. I got you. you know? Yeah. That's um, like the favorite, your favorite part of being Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Totally. Um, and I, and I think it's, you know, you're a podcast guy, but you know, you watch, um, uh, guys like Jocko Wilkes who does his podcast or, or David Goggins. That's, you know, you got to watch that not around children. Um, but, um, you know, there's just a different soul to those guys. You know what I mean? There's, there's just a different, uh, Lewis Howe. There's just something different about that guy. You, 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 does that make sense? You know, that there's a, they have a, they have a, a quality about them that's just different than the plain vanilla, uh, you know, does that make sense? Mm, I think so. What's the segue between, the niche of helping underdogs and them. Uh, it's just that it, it's because that's what those guys were. I mean, okay, yeah, Lewis I got Howell, you. Yeah, you know, yeah, Lewis yeah, Howell yeah, broke yeah. both his arms. He couldn't play football. Uh, David Goggins was, you know, three hundred pounds. Like the know? story of being like a nobody and uh, and, and making exactly. it. I got exactly. you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think now we're this is like a psychology session now for you. You're my therapist. But, uh, <laughs> um, I think that was like when I was in high school. My guidance counselor said you're not smart enough to go to college. He flat out said, you know, you should go be technical. You're really good with your hands. You know, you're, you know, you've got a lot of common sense, you know, but college, I don't know, son. So uh, what'd you do? Did you go? Oh yeah. I got two degrees. What? Yeah. I got. Where'd a, you go? I went to uh, uh, Metropolitan State College of Denver. Okay. It was a working co- commuter college is what they called it. And I got a, I got a BA in economics and um, it was funny when I found my niche with economics, I loved it. Oh my gosh! I t- all my elective classes. The, the chairman of the economics department was my uh, guidance counselor, and his name is Dr. Cochran. And Dr. Cochran goes, uh, "Ed, you know you can take electives that aren't economics classes." And I was like, "Dude, I love this." You know, I was <laughs> like, I, "I was that? that weird dude," you know. <laughs> um, but then, and how I got into economics. This is a funny story. Um, it was I was a freshman and I was taking Econ 101 and you know you're walking around you're lost you know and this is the campus was in downtown Denver I mean like we're called the Roadrunners because there were two roads that went into um, Denver it was Larimer and Lawrence Street and there were five lanes and our campus was in between these so we run across the road to get to class <laughs> after I call the Roadrunners so uh, so I walk into this it's a it's a dark where I'm in like a basement of this one building and it was just kind of a gross uh, auditorium and 
this Dr. Gillum comes in and, and he's trying to explain to us different terms. And he's like, uh, he's like, does anybody know what utility is? And we're like, electricity, water, <laughs> gas. He's like, no, no, in terms of economics. And there's like a hundred guys that are just students, just blank, you know. And, and he's like, well, let me explain it to you. All right, any of you guys like to drink beer? And you know, everybody goes nuts. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, we're all 19, 20 years old. Yeah, you know. And he goes, okay. On Thursday night, Thirsty Thursdays, how does that first beer taste? And we're like, oh, dude, that's amazing. It's the most amazing. It's just, we, it's, it just tastes so good. How's the second beer? Good. How's the third beer? Yeah, okay. How's the fourth beer? Yeah, okay. Fifth beer. And he's drawing a chart on the, on the, on the uh, chalk. It was a chalkboard. Right. No, no, whiteboards or anything. The smart <laughs> boards back then. So he's drawing this uh, a graph. You know, you're going down, down, down. He's like, I was like the 12th or 13th beer. And the people are like, oh, we're probably puking. I feel terrible. I don't want any more beer. And he just draws the line. He goes, that's utility. <laughs> Another drop the mic moment. Like, are you kidding me? Because the higher the utility, that was the uh, the greatest beer in the world. That's right. high utility. And the low utility was getting sick. Right. So when he explained that to me, I said, I'm in. I love this economic stuff. <laughs> and that was it. So, But then I, I, I almost was done. And I asked my professor. Dr. Cochran, you know, my uh, counselor I was telling you about, I said, so now what do I do? What, what kind of jobs do I get? You know, I'm a senior. And uh, he said, uh, hey, you can get your master's. I said, okay, but what kind of jobs do I get? And he's like, I don't really got too much for you, you know? And I was just like, oh, great. So he said, you want to go talk to Phil Foster? He's in the finance department. You got another semester left, and you can take a couple of finance classes. So I said, okay. So Phil Foster was the real estate finance professor. Okay. Ta-da. Um, and then he talked me into getting my real estate degree, which is a BS, uh, Bachelor of Science. So I went back for another three years. And um, it took me eight years total to finish. So, Well, because I worked. I worked. I paid for everything cash. I, you know. Um, oh, so it wasn't like your parents were fronting or nothing? No. I was going to no. say, when your dad like, hey, man, it sounded like. No, my dad said, you're out. No, no. But uh, no, I did it because I did it. Well, one, because my parents moved to Europe and they were paying for my sisters and it was, it was tight. Okay. Um, they went to, they moved to Europe. Yeah. My dad got transferred with this job. Okay. From the, this, uh, uh, Colorado Springs job. Um, so this is all kind of coming together for you. So right. You see yeah. My yeah, whole background. yeah. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the finance thing, Phil Foster was amazing. He was one of the guys, one of the first guys in the eighties to write LLCs, um, out of Wyoming. Um, and he was just, he was, he was one of those Yoda type guys when it came to real estate. Uh, and he was fantastic to talk to and work with. But, I, uh, from there, cause of finance, I, I got, I took a lot of, uh, real estate law classes and got a, a proficient now, but this is 30 years ago, 30 yeah, 32 years ago. So, I mean, uh, 30 years ago. So, I mean, um, oh, so that stuff isn't even real. Yeah. I mean, it is and it isn't, you know, uh, but, um, but it's just it that's what that's what sparked why i'm doing this and then it kind of goes full circle to the underdog thing and you know just you know get up every day and grind like you've got your your shirt oh yeah the real estate hustler hustler yeah yeah shout so, out to josh rex austin there you go um there you go. so then what was the trajectory then from the end of college to i guess when you just got started selling houses um excuse me just took a quick drink but um <laughs> Uh, you know, I worked for a company called Lipper Analytical and, um, on the side, my, uh, my, my, myself and then my brother moved up 
or moved back to Denver, and we we fixed houses up on the side in Denver. In, in Denver, and I worked at Lipper, and then I left Lipper and became a stockbroker. But Lipper was cool because I would talk to guys. Lipper Analytical was bought out by Bloomberg. They did all the uh, Morningstar, Five Star, the mutual fund. This is dating myself, but um, we had to collect all the data, and this was before internet or anything. We literally had to call them and find out what the close price was. And I, my job was to interview a lot of the portfolio managers. Okay. So I had, I got really, it was really cool. I got to talk to some of the big. I mean, I was 25 at the time, and um, you know, and you, you watch CNBC, and they interview XYZ. Like, yeah. Well, what what Lipper would do is we would we would interview five of them, and we'd fill out a little form. And it would say, you know, who was the coolest, who was, you know, you know, they had questions we'd ask. And um, then they would send it to CNBC. And I'm making up CNBC. I don't even know what it was back 30 right. years ago. But um, they would pick who they were going to interview. You know, like the and, – and Really? What, yeah. So you were just like screening? Screening. And then I would call and get different, you know, for, for – uh, um, the uh, earnings calls, I would get different things, and and it was very analytical. But I had the the big mouth, like I was joking about before, trying to make sure I don't redline on your on your on your thing. But I was like, get Ed to do it. He'll call those people. He'll get Ed to do it. So, and then from there, a guy who uh, owned a stock brokerage company, uh, you know, heard about me, or and then he they hired me. I was a stockbroker, which was awesome. That was three years, three a little over three years. Um. And that you want to talk about getting over your fear of cold calling. Be a stockbroker for a couple of days, and you'll get over it real quick. Because they laugh all the time, like in training classes at Keller Williams. They'll they'll be like, "Who likes cold calling?" I'm like, "Me. Like, What's wrong with you?" you know, so, but uh, but when, yeah. When so if you you were a stockbroker then like the 80, late eighties, early nineties. Early nineties, yeah. So yeah. was it like, uh, like, like, was it like, like the Wolf of Wall Street or like 100%. boiler room? Or? 100%. 100%. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And as a matter of fact, that's why I quit because now this is dating me again because remember, do you remember when AOL went public? No, you don't, Josh. Um, I was born in 95. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this was about 90, 90. I mean, somebody can Google when, when AOL went public, but we were in on the initial public offering on AOL, Netscape. Uh, BBN, which is Bolt, Baron, and, and Newman, I think. But uh, we bought a bunch of these stocks, and that's why I quit, because we bought AOL for a ton of our clients, and they wanted us to sell it, because the firm was going to have, like, the biggest day in, you know, Wall Street history or whatever, you know, their history, if we sold all of our AOL stock. And it, was, it went from, like, AOL had a blackout. People don't remember this because it was 30 years ago, but AOL had a blackout where AOL didn't work. Imagine waking up and Google doesn't work for five days. Five days? Four days. It was something like that. It was, it was like, it, it, I think it was four or five days. So the stock plummeted, you know, like this internet stuff, it doesn't work, you know? Um, and uh, we bought it like crazy. On the premise, it was going to go up to like 70, okay? And uh, I think we're buying it in the, in the teens. Well, it, it shot up to 50. Once it came, everything was fine, and they fixed the glitch, whatever it was, and um, that's when they wanted us to sell the stock. And I was like, "Well, guys, why are we selling it at forty-five or fifty-five, whatever it was? I forget the exact numbers. When we sold, we bought it, knowing it's going to go back to seventy-five. I said, "I'm not doing that." And um, they pressured me, and I said, "I'm out of here. I can't. I'm not doing this." So they only wanted to do it so it would show up like on their 
earnings report or whatever, just Something. so it looked like I, they I, made I, a listen, big profit. I wasn't, I wasn't in, you know, I was, I was a little stockbroker. But listen, I was one of the few people who had a, a, a degree in finance, you know. So, again, my mouth, they'd be like, hey, put Ed on the call. He'll talk to those guys, you know. So I was on earnings calls and stuff like that, even though I was pretty new. <laughs> do you remember, this might be like in a little bit too into the weeds, but do you remember how much, how big that trade was for them that day? Don't have a clue. Dang, I, I don't have a clue. It was a ton, though, uh, for a small firm. But anyway, so I'm doing that, and then on the side, my brother and I are fixing up houses in Colorado, and I've got a great – this is a story that I'll probably start crying, so get me some tissues. Um, <laughs> I bought my first – and again, you can, somebody can Google this. I bought my first real estate deal I bought at 2003 Emerson. 2003 Emerson in Denver. And I just looked this up like two years ago, and it really made me sick to my stomach. Um, I paid eighteen thousand dollars for it, and this was in how big? Eighty nine. It was a it was a condo. It was maybe fourteen hundred square square foot condo. Oh my gosh. Um, paid eighteen grand for it. And this is in Denver now. Yeah. Okay. This is a straight shot down. I think it's seventeenth from where we were. So it's almost like one block over. Straight shot down to downtown Denver. Um, the RTC, which is a Resolution Trust Company, they were the ones who took over all the. Um, uh, uh, defunct real estate back then and that was uh, because they changed the real estate laws the uh, tax write-off laws the passive loss you know had to be an active uh, anyway it's uh, getting the weeds on that one but anyway so i picked this little condo up on now 24 just finishing school you know working at lipper and i'm like hey i'm gonna fix this place i'm gonna make a fortune you know this is uh, my first flip so i go to the bank wouldn't give me any money so i scraped together enough cash to buy it and then I went to the bank, and I think her name was Sylvia, and she was such a sweet lady. She's like, Ed, we can't give you any money. I said, you, you don't have any credit. You know, you're just finishing school. Sylvia, I was like, but I, I, I'm buying this place, and I need money to fix it up, you know? She said, well, I'll tell you what. If you fix it up and come back to me, um, we'll lend you the money. And I'm like, wait a minute, but that doesn't make any sense. I <laughs> so I went out, and I got, this was before Home Depot, I got like a Hugh M. Woods, which was the, the hardware store. I got a Hugh and Woods credit card. I got a Chase credit card. I got all these credit cards and just wrote them all up as high as I could, you know, and then begged for extensions to buy the material to fix up the house. So we fixed it up. I think I was into it for like 40 grand, you know, maybe, yeah, probably 40 grand. And I got the loan, paid off the credit cards. And then about three months later, we flipped it. I made, I think we sold it for $89,000. Dude, I was the man. This was in about a year. So I, I probably lost 10 pounds, and I was skinny back then, but I was really skinny. I mean, I looked sickly because I was working so hard. My, my brother, I mean, I remember there were nights, my brother and I literally worked for 36 hours, 24 hours, didn't sleep because we had it, and it was like, got to get this done, you know? Right. So we got it done, sold it for 89, something like that, and I, I was just like, I made 45 grand. I'm the man, you know? Right. Well, I looked it up, and in... 19 2019 the guy sold it for four hundred eighty thousand dollars yeah i was gonna say four hundred and eighty thousand dollars <laughs> and guess whose kitchen was in it it was still your kitchen my kitchen what yep dang guess whose bathroom was in it my bathroom so that's again, totally not updated then that's crazy well they updated a few things now they did do something that i wanted to do but we didn't have the money um they cut a hole in the roof and put a spiral staircase in the front bedroom and they put a deck up on the roof because it was a flat roof. 
And uh, so you had a view of downtown Denver, but that couldn't have cost them 20 grand, you know? Right. But um, yeah, $89,000. I was the man. No, I'm it. I was an idiot. <laughs> just the guy who really made the Now, you know, again, it's, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, when, hindsight's 2020. When the yeah. world knew that the real estate market was going to go through the roof in Denver like that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, $480,000. Yep. I mean, but that's still a great chunk of change for this would have been late 80s, early 90s. So now you have like 50,000. Well, you split it with your brother. So 20, yeah. so $20,000. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, and I don't, I don't think I split it with my brother. I think I just gave, I don't think he asked me for that much money. You know, because he was just kind of helping me. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I mean, again, we, we he was my brother, so I I would have given him everything. I didn't care. Right. Um, but anyway, so that's how it started. You know, that was it. So we I got the bug, and we bought another place, and then I bought another place, and um, and uh, that was it. So. So then, what's the trajectory? So then, kind of what happens? How long before you leave Denver? How long are you in Denver doing flips? Mm, I've been I've been in Savannah twenty two years. Okay. Twenty three years. Yeah, so um, then I came here and started doing that here. Uh, the real estate crash happened, and then Lisa's like, Ed, why don't you sell your real estate? And I'm like, mm, yeah, I guess I could, you know. And then she's like, no, seriously. And I'm like, I've always been able to sell stuff, you know. And But see, the funny thing is with real estate, we really don't sell anything, which is kind of a misnomer. You know, people think, well, you sell real estate. It's not like I'm selling you that T-shirt. You know, I can tell you the cotton and this and that, and it's two dollars cheaper than the one the Gildan and blah blah blah. You know, it, it's not like selling a tie or a pair of shoes because it's more of a, it's a lifestyle thing. You know, and again, we were talking about this before we started, but you know, that's I, I like to do. Sell the lifestyle. Does that make sense? Because you're not, I'm not selling a house. To me, the house is incidental, because, you know, if I can get you granite countertops, I can get you you know, new paint, new flooring, whatever you want. We, you know, we can, we can get all that stuff. But if you want to live on the water, if you want to live where I, like where I live on Isla Hope and you want to go to the pool on Saturday and see 50 of your friends, you know, you want to drive a golf cart around and see a thousand of your friends on their porches waving at you. Um, you want to be able to go fishing in a little pond. Um, those are the, to me, those are more important. You know, how you feel when you drive into the community, when you're driving home after a long day. You know, that to me is the best part about it. You know, it's not like the, the, the two by fours. It's the experience. It's experience. It's, it's, you know, like I just did a, I just did a, a voiceover for a place out in Richmond Hill. And I, I described my experience living in Isle Hope for the last 20 years. Cause it's kind of an emotional big time now. Cause my, my 18 year old uh, is why we moved to Isle Hope 18 years ago. Cause Lisa, my wife grew up out there. And we wanted our kids to have that same experience. It's kind of like Huck Finn. You know, you got the, the water all around us. You got the, the pool. You've got churches right down the street. So we walked to church, you know. Um, and that's – give me any house in Idaho. I don't care, you know. I, I, I love where I live. Now, right. that's me, you know. Out in Richmond Hill, this property, it's on deep water. It's – it's amazing, you know, that Richmond Hill has unbelievable b- baseball fields and football fields and facilities that we, d- we don't have, to me, as nice as the ones here in Savannah. Um, so that's somebody else's dream. Right. You see what I mean? Yeah. I, I, your dream is your dream. My dream is my dream. But it's still a dream, and that's something that is kind of cool with real estate that, yeah, it's, you know, 80 grand to 480 grand, you know, that's great. But... My son grew up, in my opinion, in the greatest place in the world to grow up, which was Isla Hope. And that's my opinion. 
you know, you may want your kids to grow up. I, I see a lot of stuff on Tybee. You guys go to Tybee a lot? Mm, kind of, yeah. yeah. You know, if you want your kid to grow up and go, learn how to surf, well, guess what? Your dream, Tybee, let's get you, let's get rolling. Right. You know, whatever it is, you know, um, uh, farm, country, hunting, whatever, you know. Um, so that that's kind of that's kind of what where I tend to gravitate towards rather than like you said the two by fours you know so. I got you so like um well we kind of skipped over some stuff I got yeah yeah no you're okay 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 so you're flipping houses in Denver yep and you quit your job as a stockbroker yep and so are you continuing to so at that point do you start flipping houses full time no 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 I have I've always not always but until um, I moved here. Uh, I was, uh, uh, I was a re- recruiter, uh, from, this is so funny because the AOL, AOL story, my roommate at the time had AOL and I, I, I quit the stockbrokers and I didn't know what to do. So I went and I started working back at the restaurants again, f- full time. And that's how I put myself through school, you know, waiting tables. So, um, my, my roommate at the time uh, got a computer and that was like, you know, again, 30 years ago, you know, you, you, you youngsters and born in the nineties don't understand that in the nineties, we didn't have computers. Um, so he got a computer and he was like, yeah, you can go on this thing called the internet and you know, the dial up, boop, boop, beep, boop, you know, that thing, you know? Uh, so I got on there and I, I just was like, I'm like, Hey, you can apply for jobs. Well, this is cool. So I went in there and just applied for like 30 jobs randomly. Just put my name, phone number, Hey, yeah, I need a job, whatever. I don't even remember what I wrote in there because what you couldn't attach a PDF or anything. It wasn't like today at all. It was just so basic. You know, like, like it was like you know limited characters. I'm, I'm assuming I don't even remember. But so I got a call from this guy, and he's like, real gruff, real short. Uh, you know, leaves me a voicemail, and and uh, I called him back, and he uh, his name was Greg Pay, and I'll never forget him. He was like a he was like a second father to me, but. Um, uh, long story short, I went in and didn't have a clue what I was interviewing for. I just liked this guy with the phone. I'm like, dude, this guy's awesome because he was, he was just like, well, I don't know what you think you're doing. I mean, you you applied for a job, and I'm like, um, Greg, I don't remember. I'm sorry, I really don't remember. I'm, I'm talking on the phone. I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, that's just stupid. You don't know. I'm like, well, when can I come in and talk to you? He's like, well, why would I want to talk to you? You know, it's just that's the way the conversation's going. So he's like, well, if you want to, you want a job being here tomorrow at nine o'clock. So. I showed up. I'm like writing down the address. I don't even remember if I knew the name of the company. So I show up, and it's a really beautiful office in in Denver. It's on the 25th floor of the United Bank building. It's the cash register building. Okay. Yeah. So I walk in, and it's this gorgeous office. You know, glass walls and all this stuff. And there's a big bullpen. And I'm like, well, I don't know what this guy does. This is awesome. I want to work here. This is really. (laughs) So he walks in and interviews me, and I'm sitting looking at the. I knew enough to sit with my back to the window, so you know how they have to squint, you know. So, yeah. um, so I'm sitting with the back to the window, and I'm reading. He's got the name of the company, and then is is um, etched in the wall, you know, the glass wall etched is like the the mission statement. So he's talking to me, and I'm like this, looking over his head, like I'm with you right now. And he goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "Nothing." He's like, "You don't even know what we do here, do you?" I said. <laughs> Greg, I don't have a, I don't have a damn clue, but I'm sorry. And he's like, oh, can't believe it. And I said, I'll tell you what, you sell stuff. He goes, Yep, over the phone. Yep, I'll be number one or number two in your company in a year, or you can fire me. And he got up and walked out. And I'm like, 
well, this is fun. I guess I can just go back home now, you know? So he walks out and he opens the door, glass door, and he looks back and he goes, I can't wait to fire you. And he left. And I'm sitting there. That was it. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, what just happened? When I get hit by a truck, you know? So he leaves and I'm sitting there. And for 10 minutes. And I'm like, is he coming back? I'm like, this is the weirdest thing in the world. So, uh, so the receptionist opens the door and goes, um, Miss Yunette, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here. He's like, well, Greg left like 15 minutes ago. I'm like, I know. I'm just waiting for him to come back, I guess. He goes, oh, he's not. He went on to another meeting. And I'm like, oh, so I don't know. Do, did I get hired? He's like, what did he say to you? And I told her. And she goes, well, I guess just maybe come back tomorrow. So I showed up tomorrow, and I'll never forget. I mean, I just showed up, and I'm like, um, excuse me, um, Mr. Pay, I'm, I'm here. And he's like, oh, go talk to Deb. Leave me alone. And I'm like, so. And, but anyway, we became pretty close. He, because of him, I met my wife. He flew out here for my wedding. Um, he let me open an office, a satellite office in Atlanta. Um, and he was just an amazing guy. I what, mean, what were you guys selling? We were headhunters. We were recruiters. Oh, okay. I yep. got you. Okay, yep. okay. Yep. And I finished second in the company, so he didn't fire me. He didn't fire uh, My first year. <laughs> Out of 60 recruiters, it was awesome. Uh, but that's how I met my wife. Um, she worked at Invesco in Atlanta at the time. And okay. I was in Denver, and they wound up being one of my biggest clients. And Now, in the background, I'm still flipping houses. I think I owned a couple of rentals and we, you know, again, we sold a bunch of them in which I could tell you even more stories about crazy valuations, you know. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but yeah, that's that's how I got here, and then so I kind of because I, I became like a manager with the recruiting thing, so I kind of dropped the real estate, but I always loved. You know, I was like, you know, I'm gonna get back into this at some point, right? And um, but that's how I kind of transitioned. But see, the thing is, is I think that you know God puts stuff in your path because that's what makes me good at being a real estate agent is because I'm good over the phone. Right. Like you could give me your cell phone right now in an hour. People would be calling you going, who's that Ed character? You know, <laughs> I, I would make 50 friends, you know, because that was my training. And that's what made me good, you know, with, with being a recruiter. Uh, that was unbelievable. Josh, you should have seen some of the people I met. I mean, I met um, Abigail Johnson, the woman who owns Fidelity Investments, the richest, top five richest women in the world. Now, this was, again, 20 years ago. So Still. I, I met pa, um, John Vogel from Vanguard. I don't know if you know him. He passed away a couple of years ago. Because uh, I was th- I was their recruiter, you know, and and when you, they not her personally, but I was at, on a campus. I, I flew to Utah. Uh, that's where Fidelity has a huge call center in Utah and Dallas, Covington, Kentucky, um, uh, obviously Boston. But um, yeah, I just met some of the coolest people. Just just I mean, I, sometimes I feel like I'm Forrest Gump. <laughs> I'm like, oh, met the president again, you know. Um, but guys, it goes full circle to the underdog thing. I'm like. I'm sitting there talking to Paul Vogel, and he's screaming at me about my fees. And I'm just like, you know, he's got this deep voice. He's 6'6". Six, six, and he's like, yeah, you charge me too much money. But I'm like, I'm sorry, sir. I'm really sorry. You know, I just, that's my firm charges, you know. And um, in my mind, I'm thinking, am I really talking to this guy? I'm like, who am I, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, so that just all those experiences, I think, lead to why I love what I do, why I think the way I think, you know. Um and then when I got here, we just we were flipping houses and, and doing that. And then, like I said, you know, uh, Lisa talked me into getting my license. It's the greatest. I, I wish I would have got my license 30 years ago. Yeah. Why did you get out of – like what was the segue between recruitment office in Atlanta to 
flipping full time in Savannah? Um, the segue was I, Greg Pay sold Careers Limited was the name of the company. Okay. He sold it to another bigger company, and he asked me, he said, "Ed, please, you need to stay for a year." I said because he had some sort of a. a, a contract with them right and and we i ran the a financial division in atlanta and we made a lot of money because there was like four of us in it and we we generated like three times the billing three or four times per head than the the regular office so we made a lot of money you know because it was it was a very low overhead for us but um uh when he left i said greg i said i love you and but when you leave, I'm gone. I said, and and I used to call him Dad. I used to walk into this big thing. Like, hey, Dad! And he's like, Shut up! You know, I'd like, you know, I'd scream across the whole bullpen. Hey, Dad, I'm here! You know, uh, and just to be, just to annoy him because I loved annoying him. He was, but it just what a great man, what a big heart, um, tough as nails. You know, but he just I, when I when I flew out here to to meet my contact at Invesco, which was actually my future wife. I, I fly back and I'm sitting in his office. He goes, you're going to marry that girl. Josh, just like that. What? I'm sitting in the chair. Like, yeah, I, no, like, and I'm just like, Greg, how do you know? He's like, I know things. And I'm like, I mean, he really was weird with stuff like that. He, how did he know? He knew things. I mean, I have no clue. I, I didn't even talk to him. I didn't even talk to him about the trip. Didn't tell him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this girl's so hot. Well, you know, nothing. And, and I just sat down. And that's what he said to me. I'm just like. Dude, you're weird. Did I, she say something to somebody that got back to him? No, never. Never. No way. Nope. Nope. That's nope, crazy. Because nope, nope. I was dating somebody very serious and so was she. Oh, okay. And, no, and nothing. It was, no, you know, it just was a business trip. But, I mean, I, we were attracted. I mean, she, right, was, yeah. she was hot as a firecracker. I mean, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Um, but, um, but, you know, I was just like, whatever, dude. She's, you know. So, but then, you know, because this happened over the course of a year. I mean, she was, and I would talk to Lisa, my wife. Um, not to be confused with my buyer's agent who's moving to Hawaii. Um, but I would talk to Lisa 10 times a day because they were hiring five, six people a month for me, you know, um, four people a month, three people a month, you know. And um, it's a really – do we have time for me to tell I you got a funny all story? the time okay, in the world, this yeah. This is a great story. So um, we got hired My uh, – this guy, this guy named Cash. I don't even remember his last name. And then Ron Rosner. He just he just passed away. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, he was older. He was, I think he was maybe in his late seventies. But this was again thirty years ago. So he was probably my age. Now I'm saying that I'm kind of scared. <laughs> but um, Ron Rosner and myself, Greg hired all three of us to be the financial services um, division of careers because the old guy took everybody and left and started his own recruiting company oh, so uh, yeah and greg's not greg greg's not a man you want to cross i'm telling you he <laughs> yeah, beat the crap out of you and then sue you um but uh yeah so he was funny he smoked cigars you know rah, rah, you know but anyway so so he hires us and we're in this office and um we had all these files just files you know from the old files you know and so we would just you know warm calling the old files you know so this guy cash I was, I was a little young and I was a little bitter because they hired him as the manager and he didn't know finance from his ear. So Ron and I, you know, he would say stuff and we'd look at each other because Ron was a financial recruiter from way back. He did healthcare and, and, and finance, but and we'd look at him and say, is this guy for real? And he's our boss, you know? <laughs> so one day he's complaining that he, I've called this company every day. Blah, blah, blah. And, and I, I stood up and I flipped my chair over 
And um, Ron's like, oh, gosh, there's going to be a fight, you know. <laughs> and I walked up the cash, and I got in his face. I said, give me the damn file. And I smashed it out of his hands, and I grabbed it. And um, I sat down, dialed the, you know, the, the number in Atlanta. And because uh, he was complaining that no one answered the phone. He's like, I've been leaving messages for two weeks. No one answered. This is terrible. They're rude. And, and Ron and I were like, dude, grow some. You know, we're, we're in sales. I mean, right. That's the way it is. You yeah. Know? So uh, I dialed the number. Hello? Oh, yes. Lisa? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Ed with Cruise Limited? Yep. Oh, you're looking for record keepers? Yep. We got those. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Cash is over there looking at me like, did he just freaking call once and he got somebody? How, how, what? And he was just in awe. And Ron's like, see, that's why you don't ever give up. Uh, you know, he's just he's ripping on poor Cash. And I'm talking to Lisa, who happens, you know, two and a half years later or two years later becomes my wife. And this is the funniest part in the world. I tell you about God, how he does stuff. Um, yeah, he's got a sense of humor. God does. Um, she was the new HR director for Invesco on their record keeping side. And that was her first day. The reason why no one answered the phone there was nobody in the position. Dang, so you just so happy. The man. first freaking day, Josh, she answers the damn phone. Come on now. So, but it was like, I mean, I just a voice on the phone. There wasn't Facebook or internet or anything like that. So it was just, I mean, she was very sweet. She was, you know, work-wise, she was desperate because they needed these record keepers. Well, I was stealing record keepers for Fidelity. And I said, oh, yeah, I got that. I got that software. And she's like, oh, my gosh. what? Is, I don't even know what a record keeper is. I don't even know what, you know. And I, I got it. Don't worry about it. And she's like, are you for, are you for real? I can't believe this, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I sent her resumes, and that was it. And then what would happen is that when you'd send the resume in, she would call and say, okay, we're going to set up an interview. So I would call Josh. Hey, Josh, just sent this to Lisa. Lisa Brantley, she's the HR director in Atlanta. You said you'd move to Atlanta. Blah, blah, blah. Is that still, you know. And you'd say, yeah, okay, that's great. I'll, I'll go, you know. So I'd set up the interview. Then I'd talk to Lisa. How'd the interview go with Josh? She'd say, great, terrible, whatever. Oh, no, we love Josh. We want to fly him out. Okay, great. So then I would call you. They want to fly you out. And then, so literally, I'm talking to Lisa 10 to 15 times per candidate. Right. You know, and I'm sending her 20 candidates a month. You know, so we became good friends. I mean, I knew everything about her, you know, because right. after we do the business, we did. So how's your boyfriend? Blah, blah, blah. How's the dog? Whatever. Um, so we became very good friends over the course of, the, of, of a year. And then then that's when I went out to see her and Greg said, you know, a year into this. And then that's when I went out to see her and you're going to bury that girl. <laughs> and sure enough, I did. So um, but um Anyway, that's part of the, that was, that was my long story that I wanted to tell you and how we, how we met, but then also how I got here. We got here, um, when, um, we, uh, we bet each other when the Broncos played the Falcons and who would win the Super Bowl. And I said, the freaking Broncos are going to spank the Falcons, you know? And she said, no, 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 no. So we, um, cause it was funny as Dan Reeves son went to high school with me. So I was just like, was it a big Dan Reeves fan? So I said, no, we, trust me. We get, you know. So we bet whoever, whoever's team won, the other person had to pay for a date in their city. So we came to – she lived in Atlanta, but she grew up here. Right. So she said, well, we'll just hang out in Atlanta for a couple hours and we'll drive down to um, Savannah. And when I came here, I loved it, absolutely loved it. We stayed at Tybee, stayed um, downtown Savannah. And um, just fell in love with it. And then the whole recruiting thing, Greg quit. And I, Greg didn't quit, I'm sorry. Greg's 
whatever agreement got he had. Out, yeah, yeah, he got bought out. So he had to stay for a year to make sure he trans- transition period. And then the minute he left, I started my own recruiting company. And um, I placed four or five real high-level people. And um, at that point, I, don't know, I forget if Lisa and I were married or we were we were still engaged. I don't remember. But I told Lisa, I said, Lisa, you know, I can keep doing this or I can get back into real estate because there's a lot of deals around here. And um, I pl- this was right before 9-11, okay? Um, I placed a guy, and it was a $650,000 placement, which back then was huge because we got 25%. So you can quickly do the math. Yeah. And this was my own company, so I didn't have to split it with anybody. <laughs> so they were like, hey, we need to pay you immediately for this guy because we need to be, be on this quarter's expenses and i'm like you're gonna pay me quicker <laughs> you know so i get this giant check and i have it framed in my office still my biggest commission check ever and um i go lease we can do we could i can keep recruiting which is great i love it or we can take this money and invest it in real estate and blah 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 here in savannah and we took that route so dang yeah and so yeah. early 2000s in savannah that's the time to be here yeah. i mean yeah. houses were dirt cheap mm-hmm. i mean yeah, yeah, it was great. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, um, I got my contractor's license, and we did a bunch of places, and it was it was it was fun. Um, but see, I still, gosh, because uh, the nicest thing about being a real estate agent is I really I'm I'm my own boss, and I don't have to manage you know five subs and you know. It, and then when the when the market turned, it was very stressful because I mean, Josh, I was victim. 10, 15, 20 people a month. Yeah. So what happened through all that? Yeah. Like what? Um, you know, I sold, I own two apartment complexes. I sold one back to my partner. Um, the bank took one back and I just divested everything. I just got out of it, you know, um, because we just, I got killed. I mean, I had, uh, at that time the the city built a couple of low income housing projects, but they were the really nice ones, you know, so all of my tenants while the, you know, 2009, the wheels were coming off. Um, all my good tenants were leaving because these new, these new beautiful um, projects were opening. You know, so uh, and it was just, it was too hard for me to manage, and we burned through a ton of cash, and I just was like, I can't do this. So, which complexes did you own? Um, Madison Apartments off of 54th and Montgomery, and Clearview, out off of um, Bay Street. I don't know Clearview, but um, so Madison's like at the end of 54th. Mm-hmm. Like you take it all the way to the end, and now it's like Magnolia Villas or something. Um, there's two back there. Yeah, there's Mine's two back all there. all the way to the left. All the way back around the corner. Yep, 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 yep. yep. No yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Dang. Yeah, so, but um, but it's unfortunate because if I would have held them, you know, you're talking about that guy who was 30 and had $6 million for the real estate. I mean, yeah. it would be just... You know, Curtis. it's one of those things that I just got my <laughs> ass handed to me. But but listen, the thing is, is you, you live, you learn. And, you know, and I, I, I figured out that, you know, I I will always, if, you know, if, you know, how they say in that one movie, bet on black. I'm going to bet on real estate. I mean, always, always bet on real estate, you know. Do you still have any units at all? No. no okay. You're, no. you're done with that. Done. Done. <laughs> well, listen, again, when you have to evict, I always used to say the best tenant you'll ever have is the one you don't know their name right you know who lives over in that you know i don't know you know but when you've got to evict that guy who's been with you for 12 years yeah i've been to magistrate court more times than you can shake a stick i mean i remember 
you know, going uh, um, jury duty and sitting there. And, you know, they ask you the question, are you in any lawsuits right now? And I answered, yeah, 14. And the judge looks up from doing his paperwork. What did that guy just say? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I go to court all the time. And they're like, you can go home. You know, because they don't want to deal with, you know, somebody who, you know, who's, who's been in court a thousand times. Yeah, right. I, Katie Moss and uh, Judge Barker. I, I go way back. I see Barker out in Wilmington Island. Oh, hey, Ed. I'm like, and they're like, oh, it's cool. The judge knows you. I'm like, it's not a good thing when the judge knows you, you know? So, but um, yeah, it just, I just, I hated it. I mean, you want to talk about sleepless nights and I sleep like a baby, you know, but, oh, I mean, it's another one of those eye-watering moments. It's like, shit, this is, sorry for the, you have to bleep that out. Um, but it, well, that was terrible. So, but, uh, but then, you know, the, the silver lining was, is that, when I got my real estate license, I hit the ground running and haven't looked back. I mean, selling the same number of houses every year, whether it's myself or team or whatever. Um, and it's been the best thing I've ever done, hands down. Since you went, um, so once you got your broker's license or your license and mm-hmm. kind of get out on your own, did you guys build out a team at that point? Like, did, did it ever grow or did you always want to just keep it small? Um, I. I would like to have it grow, but I think you if you when you talk to people like this, it's always hard to find people, you know. Oh yeah. Um, because it's a, it's a it's a hard business. I mean, at the end of the day, we're selling stuff, you know. I mean, when I say we don't sell, but we, you know, you have to have that mentality where you can't be cash. Maybe I'm gonna get a T-shirt made that up. You know, cash the guy, yeah. old boss. <laughs> you know, you can't give up. You gotta, you know, you gotta keep grinding. You gotta keep hustling. You know, and that's just the way it is. You know. Um, uh, and I, and I tell, you know, my broker now that I said, you know, this is the easiest job I've ever had because it's just, it's, it, it's a lot of work. And, in, you know, between we talked about videos and this and that and blah, 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 and technology and, you know, internet advertising and everything that I do. Um, but it's, it, it's, it, you know, how they say when you find your gift, you'll, your, and I don't want to say passion, but when you find your gift, it's effortless. Yeah. This is my gift. You know, it really is. I mean, I just, I, I like, it. I, I, when I say I sleep like a baby, I will wake up tonight at three o'clock in the morning and have an idea on how to sell something, you know, something, I'll have a dream or some sort of energy. I don't know what you call it, but I'll wake up and I'll have, I have a cell phone that I don't have cell service on my old cell phone, but I keep notes on it. So I literally <laughs> wake up and be like, yeah, I forgot to do <laughs> I fall right back to sleep, you know, and then like like six o'clock in the morning, I wake up and go, oh yeah, I got to do, you know, and it's whatever it is, you know, but like we're talking about the voiceovers or do different things that that help promote the properties because you know it goes full circle that we talked about where, you know, it's just a, it's a great experience to help somebody with the largest financial transaction of their lives. Right. You know, we talked about AOL and stockbrokers. You know, you're you're trading a stock for five grand, ten grand, fifty grand. You know, that's great. You know, but when you're selling someone's house, it's a two hundred thousand dollar house for a guy who's worked his whole life. His entire net worth is whatever you get out of that thing. You know, digging ditches or driving a truck or whatever. You know, my my grandfather was a truck driver for forty two years. Never took a promotion because he loved being a truck driver. You know, and he was the greatest man on the planet. Okay, um, when we were young, I remember I was, we used to go down to Florida to see him. You know, all the New Yorkers moved down to Florida, so that's where he was from, New York. And uh, we're underneath this old lady's house. And he said, yeah, this old lady, I got to help her. I got to help this old lady. Well, um, we're underneath this woman's house. I think I'm 13. 
and it's 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 July in in southern Florida and it's got to be 100 degrees out and it's 100% humidity and we're sweating and I'm helping him do plumbing work and I'm like I used to call him papa I say papa what are we doing underneath this house why are we here he's like well this old lady can't take care of this I gotta pay, you know she can't afford to pay a plumber and I'm doing this for her, blah, blah blah and I said papa how old is this lady 68 papa you're 74 <laughs> so, so that was my you know that was that was his mentality was you know i gotta help this old lady i'm like papa you're five years older than this one or six years old whatever it was and that's that always stuck with me you know so um but uh but yeah so it was just that um that you know i don't know where i'm going with this but you know when you find your gift if you stick with it it's just it's 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 easy right. um uh it's effortless but it's a lot of work you know does that make sense? I don't know if I answered it. If, you had, if there was a question there, if I answered it or not. But uh, I'm just babbling. I think so. so you like to keep it small? Oh, the, Or like the, you want to keep it small? Or yes. Do you, yes. Yes. Well, um, I do. Like I, your I, passion is not managing people. Your passion is doing what you do. But see, I, if I had the right people, I'd love to manage them. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to pull it out of you. You know? Um, it, and that's the, that's the that's the problem you would think as a recruiter you should be really good at farming. oh of course yeah and my wife owns a staffing company so you think i should have a team of like 500 you know yeah seriously um but yeah i don't know what it is i don't know i, I just i guess i haven't hit that stride yet um because i know you've interviewed some of the bigger teams in savannah um but you know and and they're phenomenal they're top shelf i mean their their production is you know some of them are you know 10 times what i do uh, yeah but know. sometimes it doesn't always matter. No, no, because see, here's what I do. Okay, when I look at a team, you did you did Don Callahan, and he's a good example. Not, not exactly what I'm talking about, but you know, when you say, okay, I did uh, 300 houses. Okay, how many people on your team? 18. Well, wait a minute, that's uh, 18 into 300. What is that? Uh, 20 houses yeah. a pop. You know, so you did 20 houses. You know, now they probably all make more money than me, but that's not my point. My point is, is that I, if I would rather do my 40 to 42, you know, now I, I have to get a buyer's agent. I mean, that's just, you know, now we're talking personal nuts and bolts of my business. I have to, because I have too many. I mean, I could easily sell another 20 houses. Easy. You know, if I had a, if I had a buyer's agent that worked full time, that wasn't going to Hawaii, Lisa, <laughs> that's a dig to my buyer's agent, Lisa. Um you know, so, uh, yeah, we would have easily sold, you know, another 20 houses. So you're actively looking for a buyer's agent right now. Yes. Yeah, so anybody out there wants to be a buyer's agent, call me, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> to go back to what you said, kind of like to expand on what you are talking about before, which is like um, you don't always have to be huge and sometimes doing more production per people. That's one of the things that like you brought up Don Callahan. I was doing, you know, I was put, doing the numbers in my head while we were talking and like, they do all that volume, and they have seven people. Yeah, and that's the thing. Don is extremely efficient. Yeah. And now that's – yeah, Don's, Don's my man. He's that's I've insane. known Don forever, and he is – and listen, they all are. I mean, I don't know who – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trisha Cook. I uh, mean, have you done um, the Hutmans? No, not yet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, they're all – top shelf heather murphy um i mean they're top top shelf yeah i haven't had anybody on the show that, that's wrong. not like yeah yeah don't get me wrong i mean but but you know i we're all different and see i think and that's what i love about the videos because when you watch my video and you're like i like that guy i want i want him to be my agent that's what i want because i can reach so many more people with a podcast with a video with uh, a facebook uh, live for 
the, the taste of Sandfly, you know, because we haven't even talked about that. I mean, we, seriously, we could talk for, for hours about the stuff that I do. I, I did all this stuff. Like, I started the Isle of Hope newsletter 11 years ago. Was, Wait, you run the Isle of Hope newsletter? Me? Yeah. That's me. Dang. Yeah, yeah I started that 11 How years ago. How do you have ago. time? Well, I handed it off to my brother-in-law, so we do it together now. Okay. He does 90 Ninety percent of it, Chris, okay. Chris Brantley. So okay. I got to give him props. But I started it. I have the first one to show you. Um, like when I first started that, I, I, you know, I lived in Isle of Hope and I ran the T-ball league out in Isle of Hope. I, I've always done stuff, you know, because like I said, I like serving people. I like helping people. I like doing, you know, I love my neighborhood. I mean, that's it, you know. So uh, doing the T-ball league, I had all these. Uh, we had um, like 180 kids that did T-ball on Tuesdays and Thursdays on Isle of Hope. And um, it, the T-ball league was around for 30 years, but we had to stop it because they built the new school, and the middle school uses the fields. We used oh, it. damn! So that's where it stopped. But um, I had all these. I had 18, 20, maybe 25 companies that would sponsor the teams. Yeah, you know, um, all local companies. You know who they were. You know, um, uh, so I was like, you know, if we did a newsletter, I can get these guys to advertise, and we could do promote stuff that's going on Isle of Hope, Sandfly, Isle of Hope, Dutch Island. And um, I said, I'm gonna, I'll do this. So I sent an email out, blasted email out to all these people. Josh, I was thinking it was going to be six or seven pages. The new, the first freaking email or the first newsletter was 48 pages. <laughs> I was like, here I am on, you know, this was 11 years ago. I'm on PowerPoint. I have no clue what I'm doing. You know, we, we talked about figuring stuff out. Well, that was figuring stuff out because I'm like, oh, my gosh. Now, if I fail, they're gonna, I'm going to be a complete loser because these people all know me. And, you know, I was like, so I put this newsletter together. Yeah, at, yeah, I think it was 40-some pages and then 30-some pages. And then it was like 30 pages for the first year. And then I did it for a couple of years. And a friend of mine took it over. And then she got too busy and then gave it, basically gave it back to Chris and I. But, you know, I've always had my hand in it, you know, to promote the neighborhood, you know. And then I did, I started a Facebook page called The Taste of Sandfly. And um, that was to promote the restaurants, which again, full circle. I grew up in restaurants. That's how I paid for college. I always have, always have had an affinity to, I mean, I joke with Lisa. I'm like, Lisa, when I retire, I want to go be a bartender somewhere. <laughs> I want to be 80 years old and bartending somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, because I loved working there. I loved working with the people. I loved the, the whole atmosphere, you know? Um, so I started the Taste of Sandfly. So now I do my videos. Hey, this is Ed coming to you from the Taste of Sandfly. We're here at Auspicious Bakery and blah, 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 you know? Um, and uh, now I, I've been so busy this year. I was killing it for Taste of Sandfly at the beginning of COVID because I felt really bad. You know, when they were closed, yeah. I seriously, I, that, that kept me up at night. Now that bugged me, you know, because, um, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, my 22 year old self going, what would I do? I'm going to college. I, I got tuition. I, what, uh, what, uh, huh? You know, COVID yeah. what, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I was doing uh, two or three videos a week, you know, trying to get, you know, whether I'm interviewing the people who owned, um, you know, what's for dinner or Sandfly barbecue or, um, jalapenos uh auspicious bakery just came you know uh, right in the middle of uh, they just opened right in the middle of uh, covid <laughs> um uh castaways driftaways you know these are all friends of mine that own these places and i was just like man this is you know we all gotta start rowing the boat together and do take out do something you know so how did the fire affect like didn't sandfly have that massive fire in the middle of all that too right yeah that was um 
that was uh, there were 11 businesses in there and see that's something um i should have worn my you have your real estate hustle t-shirt i should have worn my sandfly strong uh t-shirt because they um they had 11 businesses in there i think 10, it was, yeah so it was and then, that's pretty significant for because sandfly's not a huge community no i mean and it was terrible um Charlie Lair owns it. He owns Lair's Auto, and you know he's kind of like the grandfather of Isla Hope. He's you know he's been out there forever. But um, uh, one guy, I think it was an audiovisual company. Really, I want to say, and I don't remember the name of it because they just were going to open, like going to have their grand opening, like in two weeks, and it burnt down. Um, the Nonstop Fitness, uh, Christy, and I just forgot her last name. Christy, she owns Nonstop Fitness. They just remodeled. Um, oh, the whole thing. It's just, I mean, you again, you want to just like, gut, gut-wrenching. And kick them while they're down because they just got Holy through COVID. Crap. And, yeah. Excuse me again. You have to bleep that <laughs> one out. So. But, um, but, yeah, it just was terrible. And then what's for dinner? You know, the Weikerts, they're friends of mine. We've known the Weikerts for I don't know how many years. Um, they own what's for dinner. You know, they were there, you know. Um, so, gosh, it was, just, it was terrible uh, while COVID's going on. Right. So, uh, have all those businesses come back? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen anything. You know, usually I try and I beg people. I'm like, please tell me what you're doing with your business. I'll promote it. I'll boost it. I'll, you know, because I mean, I I'll do a video for the Taste of Sandfly and we'll get six thousand views. You know, we did Auspicious and got four thousand views. You know, um, uh, I did a video for the the guys who bought. Um, uh, Joe Page used to own Maycrest Hardware, and I did a video for the new guy. Um, oh gosh, and see, I just forgot his name. I'm blanking out. But anyway, the new owner of Maycrest yeah. Hardware, and I want to say he's my friend, but I can't remember his name. <laughs> Good but, um, friend you are. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but I did do a, I did do a solid with the video. He had these. He had all these tools, garden tools for sale for for five bucks. And I said, Hey, do you mind if I do a a, a video? And he's like, No. And I'm like, Hey, this is Ed. Taste the sandfly here. You know. Uh, make us hardware and they've got all that i'm showing the tools you know i've got a gimbal on my phone and showing them all the tools he said about 40 people came in within three hours and really he's like it it was so cool we (laughs) sold so much stuff you know and and because because when you tap into a great neighborhood and you've got something like that or you know like an auspicious bakery or you know when when you're doing something to help jalapenos that you know uh, I, i you can't well, this was pre-COVID. It's still the same, but not as not as bad or good. You know, on a Friday night or Thursday night, I can't walk in there without seeing 50 people I know, you know. And that's not because I'm popular. That's just because everybody I know eats there. You right. Know? Oh, it's a tight-knit and community it, 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 out that's, there. That's yeah. it. You know, and that goes back to the two-by-fours. And I can I can get you a, 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 granite, a granite countertop, but I can't get you that feeling when you – walk into a restaurant and you see oh man josh i've seen you forever what's going on how's the yeah. kid you got a baby you know it's just i mean it's I, i'll do write-ups for my properties and some of them I'll, I'll have like a theme in my head and one of them is um cheers you know everybody knows your name you know i say how would it be to live in a neighborhood and you owned a house where everybody who drove by waved at you and they knew your name you know how would it be you know, when you went out to to dinner and i'm just describing the house I don't care if it's three bedroom, two bath, or four bedroom, one bath. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, how would you like it if your kids grew up in a neighborhood where they knew, you know, everybody knew their name, you know? Um, My dream location is there. So I've been kind of debating to say this or not because I don't want to give it away. But like, probably my favorite 
outside of the Big Island of Hawaii, maybe my second favorite <laughs> road besides Pohiki Road. Big Your favorite road is where? It, okay, so I don't know the name of it, which is like a little embarrassing, but um, I've been down it, I don't know, a dozen times. Bluff Drive. You already know what I'm talking about. It's There's the mansions drive. on your left. Yeah, and the, Dude, it's the yep. best. Yep. It's yep. the best. I, the I, um, marsh on your right. Just yep. beautiful the way the sun sets out there. And, the and, and seeing the thing is, is that there's, I mean, uh, I'm friends with Charlie Waller, who owns the marina, who, you know, and I know eight out of ten of the people who live on uh, Bluff Drive. And, you know, and it's just it's just a phenomenal place to live. It's now, insane. see, listen, like I said, Josh, this is my dream. Yeah. Like somebody else's dream might be that house I'm listening in Buckhead. This no, morning as, I, did yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I did the photo shoot, and literally right around the corner from this house, there's four baseball fields, two turf football fields, an elementary school within two blocks. Yeah. I mean, you know, and Richmond Hills has, I think this is a, a, a really, really good elementary school. I'm not sure, but um, but the facilities that they have there, there's a pool, there's eight tennis courts. I mean, there's nothing like that here in Savannah, unless you want to go over to the landings. You right, know, but yeah. then the house is going to be twice the price, you know. So, but like I'm saying, is that whatever your dream is, that's what your house should represent. Yeah, not how big it is, or hey, I got a Viking stove and you don't, and blah blah. blah. Come on now. Tell me how great it would be though to walk out your front door and you look across the street and it's like the whole marsh. Oh well, it, oh well the gosh. thing is, is that if like where I live on Central Avenue, so I'm I'm a block and a half, two blocks from the. So block. not really that far. You can no, walk. I, like, I, I yeah. listen. I'm, I told you earlier, I'm 55, and when I was 53, I said, listen, i got to start working out and get serious about this. So I got up. I forced myself, Josh, for a year and a half to get up at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning, and I did it for a year and a half, all right? And it's the most beautiful thing in the world to walk on that bluff, and there's nobody there. The sun's coming up, and then usually right when the sun comes up, that's when people start waking up. But when it's – I mean, I have Instagram posts. You look at my Instagram. You go back about a year, year and a half. Every day I was out there at posting at 5, 5.15, 5.30, and it is – if you don't believe in God, you will. Do that for a few days. <laughs> I promise you, you will. So My pastor always says that if you don't believe in God, come to the low country. That's it. <laughs> sit, sit. There's two Adirondacks chairs at the end of – St. Thomas, I think is the little street they're on, that one of the people there put out. I would sit in the one other, and the same one. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm weird. I, I, I don't like to change things. So I sit in the right-hand side of the chair and would sit there and meditate, pray, and watch the sun come up, you know. And uh, it, it's, it, it, there's, I don't even know what in the world, you know, um, how I can be so blessed to, to live in that neighborhood, you know. But like I said, if you lived on Tybee, uh, you could get a guy who who's a real estate agent out on Tybee, and he's like, "Man, you got to see the, you know, sit on the the pier, pier and watch yeah. the sun come up or whatever." You know what I mean? It's it, it whatever it is, you know. Um, that's again back to the real estate podcast. Yeah, that, right. That's what I like to sell. Yeah, you know, um, whatever. Go the house is the house. You know. Um, like, like if you said, hey, Ed, would you leave Isla Hope if we cut your house in half? I'd stay because I love where I live. You know, right. hey, we're going to cut your house in half and make it 40 years old. You know, without your, I've updated my kitchen twice. I've redone two bathrooms. I've built the pirate ship for my kids. Now they're old and they don't use the pirate ship. You know, but I'd say I'll, I'll take the old house. I don't care because I can uh, it, one phone call, hardwood floors, another phone call, new kitchen, you know, boom, 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 done, you know. Um, because of the community, you know. Do you think that the value on community, though, is 
gone down with COVID a little bit? Because, I mean, all these people trapped in their houses and whatever, right? Like, people seem like they're getting a little less social, a little less. No, not at all. No. If, if anything, on Isle of Hope, we've gotten more social. Now, oh. we're not together, but you sit on my porch. I'm going to have you over one day. We'll sit on a Friday afternoon. You sit on my porch and watch the parade of golf carts that drive by, and they're waving, <laughs> hey, hey, because you can't get out. So at least I can drive by at a, you know, you're 20, 30 yards right. away or whatever, 30 feet away, and you're waving and saying, hey, Josh, what's going on? Hey, good to see you. How's work? Great. You know? And you, they just keep rolling by. Or I mean, uh, I'm telling you, now on um, – on the bluff, there are certain times of the day where you it's it'd be rough to social distance. That so many people are down there socializing, you know, walking around, uh, riding bikes, jogging, running, walking, golf carts. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing to see the number of people that are out, you know. Um, and and now that they've loosened up, I guess didn't they do away with a mask mandate or something? In I mean, in Georgia, Georgia? we don't, don't really care. I don't right? even so, know. Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> but like the pool's open. You know, yeah, and we have new managers of the pool, and they're phenomenal. Um, and they opened it early, and we were there for Mother's Day, and um, it was packed. You know, now we're outside, we're kind of sort of six feet away, but um, uh, you know, I, I, I can that can that Corona thing live in ninety degree temperature in direct sun? I, I, I'm, I'm um, not hard I'm, pressed. Yeah, I'm not buying what they're selling if they say they are. If so. the gnats don't make it in the middle of the afternoon, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because uh, but it was it you know it was just it was awesome. You know, everybody say hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, you know, and then you get caught up. We used to call it hibernating. You know, and, and I'll hope because in the in the winter time you don't see quite as many people. Right. You know, that's like a, yeah. So and we were talking about church before. You know, our church has kind of opened up. You know, they they're asking you to wear masks in the service, but um. So the service was pretty full the last three or four weeks. We just we just started going back, I think, a month and a half ago, two okay. months ago. So I, I don't remember when the church actually started going back, but we did as a family. Um, but to answer your question, no, I think that it's, it's actually more social because people are traveling less. People are, you know, so they want the house with the office and the, and the you know, friends around Um now, like maybe the community, those small communities have become more important is what you're saying. Exactly. Okay. I think. I think. So, um, and, you know, the real estate, we haven't even talked about the real estate market and how crazy it is. Yeah, but, I definitely but, want to get into that. Yeah, yeah we haven't even, we haven't even touched <laughs> that one. But, but, you know, we sold, I think, 9,000 houses in Savannah. I mean, it depends. Last year, and it depends on how you, you know, you, you, you uh, um, encompass, like, you know, when I say 9,000, I mean, I'm talking like Chatham County, Bryan County. Effingham County. Okay. Last year, it's it's nine thousand and change. But um, you know what what throws our real estate market wacky is you know you hear half a million people moved out of California. Whatever. I don't know what the number is. I'm making that. Yeah, up. yeah. You know, it's like a huge number. Two hundred thousand people moved out of New York. Yeah. Whatever the number is, I don't care. Okay. Um, say it's one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand, whatever. Um, Josh, if we get seven hundred of them that move here. That's huge for this market. What about what are you going to pull seven hundred houses out of your ear? I mean, yeah. you know, it's you know, and then they're moving from you know L.A. where they lived in. You know, you have a nice studio here, but th- this was their house that they lived in, the size of your studio, yeah, and it was five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and they get here and they're like, for five grand, we can get twenty nine hundred square feet. What? Yeah. Is that a joke? You know? Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, you know? Um, and it doesn't seem, 
I keep hearing like, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before, but we didn't really get too much in the, into it. But like the the whispers of bubble, right? And I definitely foresee in some markets where it's a bubble, but in Savannah, I don't, because there's still houses that are so cheap. You know what I mean? You know, um, the bubble, it's it's a funny thing because again, it has to do with we got in trouble in. 8988 I told you before when I bought my first place for 18 yeah. grand that was a change that was completely governmental uh, they changed the um, tax laws and you used to be able to take passive losses and write a, uh, write them off against active income meaning that you know you could have a doctor who invested in a bunch of real estate and got all these write-offs and then took that those write-offs and then put it against there, and I think I'm saying this right. I'm not a CPA, but um, that totally hosed the real estate market. Okay, totally hosed. And I think there was something that happened with oil too that really hurt Denver. Okay, in, in '88. Now I, I lived through it, but I don't remember exactly what happened. But I remember it was a lot to do with the change in the tax laws. So that was man-made. Okay, um, in 2009, 2008, same thing. You know, you could fog a mirror, you got a loan. Right. No documents. Don't worry about it. We'll give you a loan. Okay. Big problem. Okay. They wanted um, homeownership rates to go up. They're, they're, they're at 68%. I think they're 63%. Well, plus the greed of like the mortgage-backed securities and backing them all together. And well, yeah, the mortgage-backed securities, they, and... they, they get a bad rap. But if you think about it, um, if everybody was paying their mortgages, there would have been no problem. Yeah, but like the guys that were making the loans didn't care nope. that they were making bad loans because nope. they knew they were just going to sell them off. Nope. And the government, the government would pay them. Yeah. You know, um, there was one story, and I don't know the exact numbers, but Merrill Lynch had a whole bunch of mortgage-backed securities that they knew that were bad, and they sold the. I don't know. It was, it was like, and again, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the theory is is that they sold. 25 billion dollars of the mortgages for like 10 billion and the write-up years ago was when was the last time the value of the real estate went down 70 percent i mean it, it was bad but so and then what happened is i think goldman sachs bought them and then went to the government and got the difference because <laughs> it was it was government insured Right, you know, and I, I might have jacked up that story a little bit, but in yeah, in, in, yeah. in, in relative, I mean, without me googling it and, and reading it to you, but that's in general sense what happened, you know. So, so yeah, but like I said, if, if people were still if if they they had disciplined lending practices like they do now, I mean, I haven't seen. I saw one thing that made me a little nervous that um, FHA was lowering their lending requirements to like seven or seven, five sixty or five eighty, but I don't know. It was just like a like an email from one person, you know, uh, like a, like a mortgage person up in Atlanta. I don't know if that was proposed or I didn't read much into it, but so it still seems like there's pretty pretty good lending practices. Um, there was a new bill that was introduced uh, beginning of April for a twenty five thousand dollar tax credit for first time home buyers that the government will give you. Now that's not a bad deal because if the government's going to give you twenty five grand credit on your taxes, that's great. I don't, yeah. that's not going to help you that's not going to help you get approved for the mortgage but that's going to get you off the fence and say well, listen I got 25 grand to put down now wait a minute I'm going to get 25 grand back okay I'm off the fence now right in my opinion you know 
Um, Which that's only going to keep making these prices go up, though. That's right. That's so right. That's, and that's, it's first-time home buyers now. Right. It's not so you know you're not going to get the doctor who's going to buy his you know second seven hundred thousand dollar house. He doesn't get that, but it's first-time home buyers. So now that I I like that you know, but the the waving no docs all that no that's not good. You know. I've been hearing that they've had to at some on some loans that they've been um, waiving appraisals and stuff because it's just getting so crazy. Like because their people are so busy, appraisals are so busy. I think it was Chuck Fagan I was talking to on here a couple weeks ago. Do you know Chuck at all? He's a I, yeah, I know his name. Okay, um, yeah, he was telling me that like I guess the average age of like an appraiser is like fifty nine or something mm-hmm. crazy like that. Yeah, and the market is so busy right now that these banks like have all these stringent <laughs> rules like they have to have like an appraisal right. But they literally can't get them, yeah. so they're like, yeah. Yeah. They'll, do dry, they'll do a drive-by, which in some cases it's not a bad thing. But then you know you wind up with the booby prize where the inside of the house is destroyed. You know, yeah. Um, I had one appraisal come in on a small house in Isle of Hope, and the appraiser was a retired guy. I guess he came out of retirement, <laughs> and he used um, I was on Isle of Hope, a block from Bluff Drive. Okay, and um, he used houses off of Ferguson and Norwood, and I'm like. Brother, that's not even... That's not even... No. Yeah. No. 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 So, needless to say, it didn't, didn't work. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, a, there's, you know, there's, I've had, I've had f- last 10 sales, I've had five of them with, a, with some sort of an appraisal problem. Um, that's the only one we, did, we didn't get through, was that one, because it was so far off. I mean, but like I said, it was just... I mean, and, and see, the thing is, is that if it were a local bank, they would have looked at it and said... Ferguson, what are you talking about? This is Isle of Hope, you know. But it's a, it was a B of A type of a loan or a big bank, Wells Fargo, whatever. And they're like, oh, sorry, move on, you know. So I've never had an appraisal come back negative. So is there like an appeals process for that? Like, is there a way to? They ask you to. There's a couple of things. There's this thing called the Tidewater with a VA, where before the appraiser puts it in, you you can um, you can supply them comps that justifies my price, okay, as the listing agent that, you know, um, and that's great if you can catch it. But this guy, it was a VA, this, this appraisal I just talked about that we, we couldn't work out, he already submitted it. He didn't, he didn't give us the Tidewater possibility. So, but because once the bank sees it, then it's like tough right. luck, you know. Um, it's, it's, but like I said, a, a local lender, I, I don't know what they're, you know, how stringent they are and what they do, but they might allow, um, they might say, listen, this is a bad appraisal. Can we do another one? But I don't know how that works. I don't, that's not, that's above my pay grade, um, okay. you know, from a real estate sales, that's, <laughs> that's back office underwriting. I don't know. You know, um, I got a couple of buddies I can call and ask them, you know, so, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I, I think that the, the bubble you're saying, I, I don't see a bubble now. It might, you know, the people might stop moving, from uh dc and, and new york and california so that's 700 people hypothetically we said moving here they might not so then it, it'll slow down but i don't see a bubble i don't i, I mean appreciation is just so crazy right now right like in some neighborhoods you're seeing like uh like live oak mm-hmm. i mean the appreciation at live oak has been insane well, how sustainable is that it's not it's not at all but see here's the here's the thing is Appreciation on a house is it's a weird like I because I do CMAs I do two or three of them a day and sometimes I scratch my head going how can I compare this house that's you know grandma just sold that hasn't been updated in forty years to the brand new one that was just built but you're saying that 
it's not like a stock. I mean, a stock is very, very, um, is it homogeneous? Like a gallon of milk's a gallon of milk's a gallon of milk. Yeah. You know, like when you have a, a, a share of, of, uh, of Amazon and a share of Amazon and a share of Amazon, it's all the same share. So the, that stock went up 10%. You see what I mean? Yeah. But when you're talking about houses in Live Oak, it's a little bit more difficult to say, okay, with these three houses, in general, you can say they went up. Does that make sense? Okay, you know? like my question, like for example, like um, you can take the square foot price of an updated house in Live Oak. There you go. Right? Yep. So not brand new, mm-hmm. but not grandma's house. Just something that was grandma's house. Somebody bought it, they fixed it up, yes. and now they put it on the market. If you look at the comps of those in the last two years, yep. the appreciation on that. Yes. has been insane. Now, see, that's a different story. When you're comparing apples to apples, that, yes. that's, that's different. Yeah, that's what but I'm talking about. But it's very hard, and, and a lot of real estate agents don't do that. A lot of real estate agents don't understand, okay, I redid my house in 2018. Well, those same materials in 2021 Earn. have gone up 25 30%. Yeah. Materials, okay? Now we're, now we're talking about appreciation of the property itself plus materials plus, you know, plus, yeah. plus, plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, yes, then that that's, that's different. But see... You know, when when a lot of people will say, well, look at this, those fixed up houses went up 20% in the last year and a half. Okay. I'm just guessing. That's yeah. probably pretty close. Uh, um, yeah, probably. Yeah. So, but they're looking at the house that hasn't been fixed up saying, oh, well, we want the same appreciation. Well, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. kind of, sort of, no, because you're going to have to put a hundred grand into this, you know, right? minimum. And the cost of materials and, higher. And, yeah. And a yeah, hundred yeah. grand worth of materials today was 70 a year ago. You know, yeah. um, so it's a little bit difficult to say, you know, that, you know, because I, I listen, I run the numbers all the time and I scratch my head. I'm like, like I, I ran the numbers on Isle of Hope the other day and and we went up like four or five percent in a year, which you would have guessed it was a lot higher. But see, we've always been pretty high and we don't go down. Like even when when the crap hit the fan, our our prices, oh, yeah. our prices were pretty sustainable. Yeah. Uh, um, same with Artsy Park. Same with Wilmington. Because yeah. this there's there's no land. There's no like like if building materials drop twenty percent, prices in Pooler will, will fall. You'll, yeah. You'll you'll start seeing that that'll be a problem. You know. Yeah. Because right now you're pricing in 30 percent material increases. You know, I don't know how builders do it. To be honest with you. you Plus know? the thing about Pooler that's a little interesting is like there's so much retail. And every expert you see everywhere says that the brick and mortar store is not going to last that much longer. That's true. So that's like a like. Does no one see the writing on the wall? I mean, maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe retail lasts forever, and it's never know. a problem. But Brother, like, you I, have an entire city that's literally built on retail. Brother, I haven't been to a store, and I can't tell you. How long. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, you know. I'll go to my little neighborhood stores, like we talked about, Sandfly. Yeah. But I mean, to go buy, you know. Uh, no, I just, I, I don't do it. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's no offense to Best Buy, but I mean, I, I, Amazon, I, I need a microphone. Amazon. We do, we're, yeah. so we're on Amazon. I showed you my Amazon account earlier, you know. Except um, for, uh, a sh- I'm going to use this as a shout out moment. You ever yeah. go to Portman's Music? Yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. They're the best. Tell me. Like, I like, they're not the best priced for some stuff, right? But like anything I can do to like, Give them business, I will, because they have everything you need for setting up a podcast on the fly. Seriously. Seriously. Okay. Like, all the wiring, all that stuff. I get it from Portman. Well, see, I'm not worried about saving $2, $0.75, cents, $5, $20. I'm worried about the convenience. 
Because listen, yeah, when yeah. when when you say, "Hey, my wife says, hey, Ed, go to Walmart to get X Y Z," and I go to Walmart to get X Y Z, and they're out of it, or they don't have the right color, or and the, then, Walmart by your house, the line is yeah, insane. No, and, and then and then so then I drive to the other Walmart, and then they don't have it, and then I drive to the one out there off of uh, Abercorn. Oh, they have it, great. Yeah. Well, but we're four hours into this exp- expedition, all right? I got better things to do, all right? Like go sit on the bluff, um, you know? So, no, Amazon, boop, boop, boop. Tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Yeah. Here. And now they're to building the new fulfillment, uh, fulfillment center. center. Yeah, they said it's going to be faster. Son, we might get it in two hours. That's crazy. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, but, yeah, like Portman's, 100%, I'd support them. And now that you told me that, I'm going to go check them out. Yeah, go check them I'm out. Always, yeah. The headphones you're using right now? Yeah, yeah. Portman's. Oh, really? Yeah, they're like 80 bucks. Not that bad. And they got the... Uh, the uh they sound great quarter inch hookup so they yep. hook into like a professional mixer yeah yeah, yeah. they're See, really nice and comfortable you know what, you know what I, now this is the, now this is a downside of amazon we're talking about stuff that you know you've got to buy in adapters i have bought for my cell phone maybe 20 of the type c to 3.5 millimeter jacks yeah for my road mics we're talking about yeah you know my lavalier mics and um none of them work I was at a photo shoot the other day, it, sitting on a dock, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna plug this in and plug it all in." No sound. So I'm out in this on a dock with the with the wind, and um, uh, for whatever reason, I swapped. I, I brought two with me, two different types, because I was like, "Oh, in case this one doesn't work." But I have pri- I've probably tried twelve, fifteen different adapters. So it would be cool. And the reason I'm saying this is to go into Portman with my phone yeah. and my lavalier and say, "Bud." Need to work. How do you make? Yeah. Need to work. Need to talk. You know? I wish I remember the gentleman's um, name, but like uh, every single department in there has a special specialist, and yeah. like so, like the guy that does all the audio hardware. Yeah. It's the same guy every time. Okay. So see, the dude's like an expert. That's see, because if I paid five dollars for that adapter or forty dollars for that adapter, I don't care. Right. I'm at a million dollar listing trying to do a freaking voiceover, you know, or you know, I'm basically interviewing myself, you know, why you want to buy this house. Yeah. And I, you hear the. <sighs> <laughs> and you know the wind and i'm like hello you know it just you know what i mean it's just it's, it's not worth it you know yeah um and i'm already you know 12 of these stupid adapters you know i literally have a in an i don't smoke but like in an ashtray looking bowl i've got like i'm like what am i gonna do with these things now like a pile of yeah, them. yeah i'm not gonna send them back to amazon for four dollars you know put them in a you know an envelope so but yeah that that's 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 key to, to have a place and it's port yeah i know portman portman's yeah they're yeah. great yeah. yeah um but uh, but yeah, so bubble. I, I we'll go full circle back yeah. to the bubble. I I, I don't know. It, you know. You never know. But it comes back to what I said. It, I love where I live. Hell in their high water. I'm making my mortgage payment. I'm gonna live there. Period. End of story. Okay. So if if you you know if I have to start waiting tables or digging a ditch or you know washing cars or mowing lawns, I'm making my mortgage payment. Okay. Um, and that's like uh, you got that sign over your shoulder that says "Don't quit." I mean, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? Um, if if you buy a house and you're planning on staying there for 15 years, don't quit. Get up every morning and dig the ditch, and you'll be fine. You know, that's what I tell people all the time. Yeah. Like, what do you do? I said, dig a ditch. What do you mean? I just do the same thing every day. Just grab the <laughs> shovel and start digging. You know, and it's it's. Uh, but it goes back to what we talked about. You find your gift. Keep doing your gift, and you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, it's not work to me. It's not at all, you know, so. Let me ask this. How do you, um, how are you furthering your education? What kind of things are you, what kind of <laughs> books are you reading? What kind of things are you listening to? Gosh, What's... I, I wear YouTube out. 
<laughs> if YouTube starts charging me, I'm going to have to quit being a real estate agent because I listen to YouTube probably probably five hours a day. Okay. And, I mean, I listen to stuff in between. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll listen, you know, driving to and from. I, you know, uh, yeah, just 90% of it's YouTube. And people will think, well, YouTube just videos. It's just crazy cat videos. Uh-uh. There isn't a book that you can't find. Um, there's five or six, uh, uh, are they bloggers, podcasters, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. that do, um, um, what do you call that when you summarize a book? Oh, book yeah, like, yeah, like the quick versions. But they're the best. Eight minutes, 14 minutes, 18 minutes. There's one who does all biographies that I've got subscribed to. Yeah. That I get the, you know, so... You know, I've listened to Elon Musk's. I've listened to Steve Jobs' biographies, and and you know, eighteen minutes, nineteen minutes while I'm in the shower. Um, uh, that's that's what I do. Do you, you play? Know? Do you pay for the YouTube Premium? Of course. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. it's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah. Somebody Once was like, you "Got it." Yeah. Don't, don't the ads bother you? And I'm like, "What do you mean ads? I don't get any ads." You know, because of that. Yeah. You know? and, uh, <laughs> and that's yeah. It's I, and you can lock much, your phone and put it in your pocket. It's like how great. much is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's only like it ten bucks a month, I think, or something. Or yeah, 12. I don't remember. It's just you yeah. Know, it's um, not Because I have well, because I have the um, the Google Drive. I've got the two terabyte. Yep. Um, yeah, two terabyte. So I don't know if that's because, and I have a G, Gmail. You know, what I mean, I have all that, like the G Suite, suite whatever yeah. it is. So I think that might be part of it. But um, but Google's uh, is money. I mean, I, I mean, if if I had to perform brain surgery on you in an hour, if I had to, t- I could do it. <laughs> Give me an hour, I got it. You know, seriously. Um, I mean, what what can't you do on YouTube? I mean, seriously. Uh, you're, you know? uh, we uh, my my daughter was recently born with a TGA. Do you know what that is? No, it's trans uh i should know basically what happened is the her arteries like switched and like so like her lungs were on one circuit and her body was on the other so she wasn't getting oxygenated blood to her organs long story short though is like before they did this arterial switch operation where they switched it back yeah you i watched the whole thing on on youtube you watched a youtube video about the surgery your daughter literally watched the whole Dude, surgery that's out of control <laughs> and speaking of surgeries we, my son was born with a birthmark and he had a surgery you know surgery on his on his birthmark and um and uh, the doctor came out i'm sure you this is the same dad moment and the doctor's like you know hey dad i got this i've done ten thousand of these uh, you know surgeries i said you've never done the freaking surgery on my son you know that was your fighting words i'm like so you better make sure this is good yeah so uh yeah because that's a difference that's a it's a different ball game when it's a kid. Yeah, it is. Yeah, way different ball game. It's it was so. pretty crazy. Like, I haven't really talked about that much, but like it was pretty crazy because like we were looking up pictures of like how big a baby heart is. Oh, and you know it's like it's like somewhere between like a like a quarter and a fifty cent piece. It's like a golf ball. Like and they have to cut arteries off this thing that are you know smaller than that even, and but then I don't... switch them. And there's like a vein that goes to one of them. They got to take that off and like put it on the mm-hmm. other, then sew it all back up. And then restart the heart and put it back in the okay. body. Okay. Okay. I said, if you don't believe in God, go sit on bluff drive. If you don't believe in God, watch one of those. Watch a baby. Yeah, go watch heart. YouTube. Watch yeah. a baby's heart. You know? How do you get from two cells to that? Because you know? we had babies when we were a little bit older. I think Lisa was 30, 32, 30. She'll kill me for telling it. But anyway, so we, we were older. But um, I don't remember exactly. Nice knowing you, Honey, how, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sleeping at your house now. So. Uh, but. Um, we used to go to these baby doctors. Cause how old are you? Twenty five. Twenty five. Yeah, you're a baby. Jesus, I got shoes older than you. Um, I'm not kidding. Uh, but uh, um, where am I going with this? My shoes older than you. Um, oh, um, 
the baby die, as you get older, you won't have to deal with this for another 10 years, um, is that as you get older, you're, the, the statistical chance of having Down syndrome or yeah. whatever uh, genetic, goes up. It, it goes yeah. up dramatically. Um, and why am I telling the story? Uh, you got me. I, I started thinking about my old shoes. Um, if you don't believe in God. Oh yeah, I we'd walk into the um, we'd walk into the doctor's office, and we we had good friends that were you know that were one doctor was like the top fifty baby doctors and the you know whatever baby doctors girl doctors um, in in the in the in the country who did um, high risk pregnancies. And uh, he'd be like, yeah, you know, blah blah blah, you know, talking about statistics and this. And I'm like. I'm like, Doc, I, I understand all that, but how in the hell does it work out, period, from two cells yeah. to a baby? No, it's pretty insane. What in the world? Yeah. And it goes 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, what? Like, how in the world? Everything that has to go right. I think Gary Vee says the statistic is like, you have a 1 in oh, 400 trillion chance. Trillion chance. That's yeah. right. That's right. Of, of being born a human. Of being born yeah, a human. Exactly yeah. Right. That's exactly Which is right. insane. So, and that that's what freaks me out, you know, about, about babies and, like you said, the baby heart. I mean, I, I, I joke with some of my doctor friends. I'm like, you know, you guys really aren't doctors. It's that uh, the thoracic heart yeah. uh, pediatric surgeon. Yeah. I mean, I can, in my mind, I could say, I could work on your heart. I can figure that out, you know, but. Not in real. The baby heart that's as big as your thumb? Come on now. Real estate's easy. I told you it's easy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Maybe I could be a lawyer in my next life, but uh, doctors. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Let me ask you this: If you could go back and talk to day one you, or you know, you're talking to an agent, day one agent, they just got their license today. Uh, what kind of advice would you give them? Um, I think day one me out of college or even day one me or agent that's, you know, five, eight years ago, eight years ago is um, just don't give up. I mean, if, if, you know, people just, they do stuff for the wrong reasons, meaning they want to make a ton of money. They want to be famous. They want to, you know, uh, uh, please their dad, their mom, you know, um, if you do what God puts you on the planet to do, you're golden. You're golden, you know, because it's not about how much money you make or how many houses you sell. How many people do you serve? How many people do you help? Right. You know, so I would just say focus on that because, listen, if I, I this is like the top thing I read on my to do list. My job today is to serve 10 people. Done. That's it. Everything else falls in a line, you know. Now, I've got to, you know, edit videos and this and that. But, <laughs> but if I do that top thing, you know, and, and in my in my god-given talents you know um serving 10 people every day you'll be shockingly successful you know that's that would be my advice you know and not and everything else will fall into place i mean i've been blessed uh, i've told you about the three jobs i've had three careers i've made over two hundred thousand dollars a year in three jobs three separate jobs you know that's pretty extraordinary. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I promise that if I stop doing real estate tomorrow, six months, I'd be right back at it doing something. Because whatever it is I'm going to do, I'm going to make sure I love it. And we're going to be in line with whatever God's got me, you know. And I'm not perfect. I'm like, Steve, like Steve Harvey says, I'm an entry-level Christian. You know, that whole turn in the other cheek thing, don't think I can do that. But, you know, as far as, you know, I, I, I really – I. Every day I work my tail off to to do that, and then everything else falls in line. 
you know, and, you know, people like me, don't like me, eh, whatever, you know, I just, I do the, what's best for my clients and that's it, you know, and that's why I say, that's why I love the videos. Cause you may, you know, somebody will listen to this podcast, go, oh, that Ed guy, he's a jerk. Okay. But I was an honest jerk and I probably <laughs> kicked your tail in a negotiation. That's why you're mad at me, you know, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I get up every day with the best intentions to do what I can do to help whoever I'm across the table from. You know, and that's that's authentic. That's as real as it gets. You know, um, and I don't have to sell a house to make a car payment, or you know, like some agents do. You know, um, yeah, I just I just do. You know, I'm cheap as the day is long, and I I just love what I do. You know, um, and I'll spend a whole bunch of money on these toys you got around here. You know? <laughs> but uh, be but, careful, you get carried away. Oh yeah, I try. <laughs> trust me, I know. I, you know, I, I'm already eyeballing your camera and. You know, I, I have a couple the Sony 4K cameras, you know, that I use. Um, I, I bought them for work, but I used them at the church, um, you know, videoing. And, and that's something I'm real proud of is that when, when COVID, like two years ago at my church, we, um, uh, was it two years ago, two and a half years ago? If you look up I Love Methodist YouTube channel, the reason why they have YouTube channels is because of me. Hey. I was the, uh, I was the, the redheaded stepchild because they're like, video we're not videoing this. and I'm, i had my son charlie who two years ago he was 12 so he's up front with my cell phone videoing the service you know and i'm in the back with my camera and and, and i got a, a, some blowback you know the more traditional yeah people you yeah. know people don't like you know? change so and yeah. my son's up front walking around during the service yeah. and like what is that why distracted you know? yeah well it winds up see again how god does stuff you know cash you're prepared folder yeah. blah 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 you know and then all of a sudden they're like those same people are like thank you thank you thank you because now they've got you know it's it's gone um it's gone crazy you know and, and like i said you don't know like back in denver and this was this this blew me away back in denver when i was a stockbroker and i left the restaurant it was on my heart that i wanted to do something for um thanksgiving for the homeless and I got my old brokerage firm and I got a couple of restaurants to chip in and we we're going to do um, uh, feed the homeless thing. And it was right by Coors Field, okay, in a, in a restaurant called the Chop House right there. And the general manager didn't want to do it. He was like, no, we're not doing this. We're closed. We're not doing it, blah, blah, blah. And while I'm arguing with him, because my brother worked there, and while I'm arguing with him, this, the other assistant manager walks by. I think her name was Jill. And the manager goes, uh, she goes, um, whatever your name is, I'll do it. I forget his name. You know, I'll, I'll come in and work it with Ed. No, that's no problem. Well, then two cooks heard, three cooks heard, and four waitresses, and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, we've got like 50 people volunteering for this thing. And we fed like 400 people. Well, the next year, they did it again. The next year, they did it again. And then somewhere in here, I moved, okay, to here, okay. Well, like three years ago, my sister-in-law works for this company, okay? This was kind of you know, cosmic God stuff again. She goes, hey, uh, Ed, you know that uh, thing you did? I'm like, I haven't thought about it for years, okay? I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, what about it? She's like, you know, they call it the miracle on, the miracle on, miracle on 19th Street? And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And she's like, yeah, now we do it in five cities and they feed like 40,000 people. Whoa. 
Now, I haven't told, there, there's like people are going to hear this and go, no way, Ed, you've never told us a story. But I haven't because like I'm saying, you just don't know where this stuff's going to take you. Right, you like know? if you just open your heart, like God leads you, we're going to go. That's it. And then he uses those That's little it. tiny things to make and, huge ripples. And we were, I mean, you know, 25 years ago, I was just a screwball who went to church every once in a while and just, you know, but like I said, that that bugged me like my brother he's like this is stupid i don't want to do this you know and then i was like come on bro and he's like okay for you i'll do it so he did it you know and then we did it together and then we got more and you know and just like with the with the youtube stuff i mean now you know my church like your church um i mean your church is huge on, huge on, on, video. on, on the video yeah. um but still some of the best videos that we have out there on the isle of hope um methodist church youtube channel were the first ones we did with my cell phone and Charlie up front. Oh, really? You know? Oh, hands down. I mean, there, because he got because he was little. You know, he was short. Yeah. So he wouldn't um he wouldn't distract people, and he would get like right up in their face, and you wouldn't see him over people's heads. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So he was. It was funny. It's like, <laughs> what is that camera? You can't see. You know. Um, and he, Charlie did a great. Now he's now Charlie's six foot tall, so he can't do it. Now you need to know? recruit some kid from yeah. your youth group. Yeah, like, exactly. Get, exactly. Get in here. Exactly. Exactly. So, but. Um, but yeah, just stuff like that. that. That's what I'm saying is you don't know where the ripples are going to, you know, you don't know like, you know, if, hey, if I help this guy and, 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 and I, I could care. I mean, if she never told me about that story, uh, you know, I didn't, whatever, you know, it just was one of those things that just, it just happened. Right. You know, and it's just like the video thing that the video thing was weird. I mean, I used to walk into church and get these looks from people like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you know, and I was like. And for whatever reason, for a year, over a year and a half, a year, I guess we did it. And I just didn't, I didn't pay any attention to anybody. I was just like, for whatever reason, God put me, put this on my heart and that's what I'm going to do. But what happened was it, it completely dovetailed with my job. I mean, well, how do, why do you have all this video stuff? Why do you have all this audio stuff? Why do you, you, you see what I'm saying? I'm saying? Yeah, oh, I get that question all the time. Yeah. How can you, how do, Ed, how did you edit that? That's awesome. I'm like, well, because I just did 47 house videos, you know? Yeah. So what's more important? No offense to my clients, but, you know, doing, you know, the, the, the song that is praising, you know, God and Jesus or is, you know, selling another house. Well, sorry. Yeah. It's the, it's the praise and worship music. But that helped me with the houses. The houses helped me with that. And that's where, how it works together. You know? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes you know? sense. Yeah. yeah. Complements uh, each other. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, because it's a gift. That's the gift that I was given. And there you go. So. Uh, yeah, I guess I never thought about it. Like, the, just the pursuit to even want to do that's kind of a gift. Like. Of course. Like, the whole, all of it's, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. part of the gift. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So. Well, that seems like a good note to end yeah. on. Yeah. Thanks, bud. Thanks for coming on, man. Dude, this was fantastic. How do people find you? Uh, just, if you just Google Yannette, Y-A-N-N-E-T-T, -T, Ed Yannette. Um, just go to your website. It'll, and... it'll pop up, yeah, myhomesavannah.com. But if you just type in Ed Yannette, Y-A-N-N-E-T-T, -T, I'll come up. I'm on Facebook. <laughs> I mean, it's... What's your Instagram? Do you know your handle? I'll put it in the show That's notes. That's a good question. I'll put, it, um, <laughs> I'll put it in the show notes. It used to be Mr. Ed. Okay. Because I, I joked with the the kids from middle my middle school Sunday school class I said they'd call me Mr. Ed and I'm like you know who Mr. Ed is and none of them knew it was a, ho it was a horse <laughs> so I showed them that and they thought that was funny so I changed my Instagram handle to Mr. Ed Realtor I don't know if I changed it back it might be Mr. Ed Realtor but um, but like I said I, I, because I'm I have a big digital footprint you yeah. just type in Ed Yannette and you'll find you'll it. see 5,000 things pop up so All right. hopefully they're good but anyway 
<laughs> well, thanks for coming. All on, right, man. man. You're All right. awesome. See you. Thanks, bud. <laughs> hey, y'all. Thank you so much for listening this week. If uh, you want to show some support, please head on over to mpgpodcast.com. Check out the awesome merch we have on there. Um, and also subscribe and comment wherever you listen to this. Uh, that does a huge things for pushing us up on the algorithm, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is, whatever platform you use, go right now, go subscribe, go comment, help push us up. And also, please share us on your social media. Um, the more listens we get, the more I can bring, uh, more guests I can bring in, the more value I can bring you guys. So. Thanks so much. It's a total team effort. I appreciate all the support and uh, hope you all have a great week. See you guys next week.